Hello, howdy, and hi. Welcome to another episode of Rightfully So. Uh, this week, we're talking about creativity in academic writing, making creative arguments because we wanted to get creative. We get the word creative in the title as many times as possible just to really make the point that creativity is important and possible in creative writing in academia creatively. Uh, this week's this week's episode, this the topic was suggested by um, Carrie. So I, I thought I'd turn it over this week to Carrie and let her, um, let her like I'm in charge here. <laughs> but we kind um, of are. You are. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but let Carrie sort of drive the conversation this week because uh, she had some great ideas about um, you know creativity in the classroom and how that applies to academic writing. Thank you, Bill. Uh, yeah, this this started because um, uh, for those listening who are in our GEW program, uh, we have a pretty standard rubric that um, one of the categories kind of talks about, you know, the content of your of your writing and how we grade, um, you know, the critical thinking aspect of of the argument. And part of it mentions, um, you know, whether like kind of a, as the excellent category um, talks about creative or the writer takes creative or even into or no wait how do they word it create the writer takes intellectual even creative risks um and that's something that when whenever i get to that part of the rubric or explaining that section i always felt like that part was kind of it it almost seemed to intimidate them just the wording itself because i think risks <laughs> implies that there's a bigger um uh, chance of failure. So there was always kind of this hesitation towards discussing kind of what that even means. So I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about um, how, you know, how can a student be creative in their argument? What do we mean by creativity um, when it comes to academic writing? And if that question is too complicated, I can try and think of another one. I think that the, it's, it, it is a tough one, right? Like it's a tough one to think about because when I think of creativity and academic writing, it's a, it's not just one, it's not one thing, right? Like, so it may, the creativity may, the intellectual risk is either in the ideas and the thought process I'm seeing, or maybe in the student writer's voice, right? Like the way that they've articulated themselves. And often, and, and Bill was kind of mentioning this earlier before we were recording that um, grad school is when typically we, we finally figure out, oh, okay, like this is, this is how it works. And so I think it is hard um, when you've just come to the, like the shores of college and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what, what, what does this mean? Like, how does this work? Um, but it's something that does come, right? Like, it's something that's developed where um, it, it takes, it, it takes some practice with critical thinking, I think. And that, and so that's where it can be difficult, or it can be like, what is that even, you know, like, how do I even get there? Um, because it isn't like a straight, like, here's, here's the steps you take. I mean, it is just something you discover. I don't know. Yeah, it, cre creative is an interesting word, right? Because because I think a lot of times when it's used, the understood context is is more of like like in a sense of like art, um, and and then there's also this connotation of of novelty. In other words, it's new, it's remarkable, it's 
it's never been done before or it's been done before but not quite like this and and we tend to sort of think of schoolwork as schoolwork but not as creative uh, and i know i've mentioned this before but when i joined the grad grad program you know uh one of the professors took me aside and, and said deconstructive this the deconstructive analyses that you do is a form of creative writing because you're creating these ideas, right? You're generating these ideas um, and you're, you're adding to the conversation. So don't discount the work you're doing here as not being creative. It is creative, right? It's a way of seeing the world, which ultimately that's what art is, right? It's a way of seeing the world. And in terms of like the novelty aspect, um, I, I, it took me years to learn this, but, but good creative writing doesn't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. In other words, you don't have to create a new way of thinking. You don't have to change the paradigm. You don't have to come up with an entirely new way of interpreting this text. You can actually add to the existing conversation. And, and, and so you can build on somebody else's work and then add to it. And that is also creative, right? It's a way of, of finding your way into the conversation and then, um, and then building on it because your own perspective is unique. No one's had your experiences. Um, no one's read the things that you've read and interpreted the same way. And so your point of view in and of itself is unique. Um, and so, you know, it's important not to discount that. Um, so I, I, I feel like at least in my classrooms, I, I think sometimes students feel um, a little bit overwhelmed or overburdened when I'm like, go choose a topic, um, find a way to talk about this. And they're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta find a new, and it says here intellectual risks and creativity. And so I gotta find an entirely new way to do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, let's, there's PhD candidates that still haven't figured that out. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, really just add to the conversation. What does your perspective bring to the table? Um, and then, and then just work with that. And I think that's a great way of also like preserving your voice as a writer rather than try and invent something new and write in somebody else's style join the existing conversation, but add your point of view. Yeah. And I think, um, cause I kind of going back to what you're saying about, you know, the idea that, that they're just contributing to that conversation or kind of going back to that conversation idea where their ideas come from that unique perspective. Cause I feel like one of the things that happens, and maybe this is part of the cheat of, <laughs> of a composition is when they try to use sources or rely on sources that kind of give them the quote unquote answer. Um, and that's where I see students who look at Wikipedia or Cliff Notes or Schmoop and, and they simply just kind of regurgitate the information or they'll say, oh, I agree with that. Um, and then they have a hard time moving beyond that because they just go, well, that's kind of the answer. And then I agree with this answer. So, you know, I don't really know how to be creative with this because here it is, you know, so kind of on that note, what do you guys say to students who, who kind of feel like they, or they come to you and they say like, they have no good I new ideas or everything's already been said, you know, and they kind of feel like they're, they're stuck at that dead end. How do you kind of help them to get to the next step with that? This is the first semester in a long time I've let students choose their own topic for their research paper. And so I've gotten a few of those questions, like I don't know what to write, or I don't have any good ideas, or I don't know what to do with this. And um, lately I've started asking the question, well, what interested you in the topic in the first place? Like, what are you curious about? Um, and, and part of what sort of inspired that was, was our, our workshop recently 
on um, grading contracts. And there was that like the Ted Ed talk with the high schooler. And she's like, school kills our creativity where it's all rote memorization and regurgitation. And that really stuck in my brain because we're seeing the effects of that type of, of teaching and learning modality where we're teaching to standardize tests. Money is tied to the quality of those tests. And so teachers are, are teaching a standardized curriculum that privileges writing as a product, that privileges getting the right answer and privileges grades over experience and creativity. And then they get to university and we're like, forget all that, be creative. And they're like, we don't know how, we've literally never done it. I've been in school for 16 years. I still haven't figured out how to do it, right? Um, so th I think that's the challenge that we're facing. And so I've started asking questions about, well, why, why this topic? You chose to talk about creatine and bodybuilding. Like, why are you curious about that? Is it something that you're doing yourself? And like, there is some sort of like, um, I don't know, like maybe some anxiety about the long-term effects of this that maybe you hadn't considered before, or are you looking to like go a, another step or are you responding to a criticism associated with using, you know, supplements for bodybuilding? Um, and once I start articulating it in that sense, students start to sort of like nod a little bit like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. I see where you're going. Right. And it's really just sort of answering for your, yourself those questions of, why am I interested in this? Because it's, it's really unconscious, right? They go, oh, I want to write about this thing. I want to write about racism. I want to write about the coral reefs. I want to write about, and like that level of topic selection is really, really easy, right? They just don't have the, they haven't done the work to do the metacognition to figure out why they're interested in it. And I think that's where you start getting into the specific subject within that topic. And then that drives you towards that research question that'll drive the rest of your paper, right? What is it particularly about this? Oh, I'm interested about coral reefs because I just read an article about that they're dying off because of global warming and climate change. So now their paper is really about the effects of, of climate change on the coral reefs and like what that does to like the ocean's ecosystem, right? So it's there. I, they, they just, I don't think they quite know how to get past the simple response and pass the anxiety of getting the quote wrong answer when they're sort of given like absolute freedom. To piggyback on that, because I was thinking about, I'm, I'm in a phase two where um, in one of my classes, they were picking topics and talking through and I just read a proposal today on child labor. And I think the student may genuinely have some interest in it or they might have, at least based on the way that I was reading through this, like reading the, like seeing in the proposal that they might have picked it because they thought that there was research on it or that it was something safe. Um, and so I think there's this real fear that um, there won't be enough research or something, right? Like, um, and we are very, I think what happens is it's almost like a contradiction. Like we we do push like, please find evidence, um, make sure that, you know, you can back up your point. And so it, it sometimes I think become in, in responding to that piece of, you know, a direction that, you know, might <laughs> come out of my mouth or isn't a problem. Um, it becomes like, oh my gosh, I have to find, I have to defend this, right? Um, Carrie brought up Schmoop. I hate that site um, because it's like, <laughs> it is, it makes it seem like there's one right answer to things. And it's like, 
no, please don't even look at that. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's, it's like, talk about like a canned answer that is just kind of like, um, and like almost the opposite of intellectual, um, risk. It's like, it's just, I don't know. (laughs) I know I, because the funny thing is I actually encourage students to look at those websites to brainstorm, Um, And I've, and I've noticed that I'm kind of creating a trap for myself because (laughs) sometimes they'll just regurgitate whatever it is that they read. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's brainstorm. This is the start of the idea, but I want you to build on it. I want you to add something else to argument or disagree with it. You know, like if they bring up something, if Schmoop says, oh, the theme to this is this, then, you know, challenge it. And, and even if you're not fully committed to the challenge, see where that takes you, you know, because I think we talked about that earlier, just the, the hesitation hesitation and even wanting to challenge something they go I don't know where that's gonna go they're like afraid to and I'm like take the chance see where it goes you know um because schmoop is by no means the expert of (laughs) of you know all things so so it's kind of one of those hard things where I'm like use it as a start but then I feel like they get trapped within that start um with with the fear of moving beyond it so yeah the key though is you're you're encouraging them to challenge like you're you're saying challenge it right like don't just like take it in and then regurgitate it and put it back in you know your own words I mean it's like challenge and then Bill you're using the language of like conversation which means you need to think about it and then you know that it, and again that's where the creativity comes in right like you you're the only you with your own perspective, you know, that in your own thought on things. So it's like uniquely you. Um, and so that's, that part has to be there, right? Like in order to get to intellectual risk or even really fully processing, right? Yeah, you know, I haven't done this in the classroom in a while and, and it might be time to, to bring it back, but I used to talk about ways to approach an argument because students love scaffolding, right? They're like, give me the answer, please make it like a five-step thing. And I used to do this lecture called seven steps to a thesis statement. And it was like, you know, read the prompt and find verbs and, and sort of like working through these different steps. And then one of them was, um, was exactly that. It was like, um, come up with a counter argument for like a popular answer or, or conventional wisdom. Like what's the counter argument to child labor is bad? well, what if it's good? Like, you know, small, nimble fingers can, can make, you know, tennis shoes very quickly. Um, especially the children's sizes where they have small little, yes. Anyway. Um, (laughs) I'm nodding. (laughs) (laughs) Gary and I are actually laughing on mute, but you know, (laughs) um, so that was like one of the steps there, right. Was, was sort of challenge response. And like my, my thesis statement came out of a challenging an answer to a question that I didn't agree with. You know, it's like witchcraft was because of misogyny. I'm like, I feel like it was a contributing factor, but that can't be the only factor. Right. That seems too simple. Um, especially in a very tumultuous time and period, uh, in history. So that's a way into the conversation and I'm using the writing spaces, composition text and it has an article that sort of talks about the same way about finding your way into the conversation and it's really about you know reading the existing like academic discourse in the subject that you're interested in and being like I agree with that person or I disagree with that person and then using that as your starting point right so um again I guess that kind of goes back to like just building on or in addition to or or just throwing your voice 
like into that discussion, right? Like walking up to a group of people in the party and being like, hey, I noticed you were talking about, I have opinions, right? And just sort of injecting yourself into the conversation. And that's, that's fine. Um, and then I also, um, you know, try and reinforce there is no right answer. At the end of the day, I'm like, like, but what if it's, I'm like, no, if you can, even if you don't agree with whatever opinion I've espoused in the classroom, even if you directly disagree with me, I'm like, I'm not going to knock you down because, or take away points because you disagreed with me, but you have to have a valid argument. You have to be able to support that. Um, oh, which reminds me of something uh, Jeanette said about um, being scared about not being able to do research or find sources. Um, one of the hardest things to explain in the classroom is you will not find, you generally won't find a source that literally supports your point of view. Because again, it's uniquely yours. The trick is to find research that supports the idea. And, and I don't know how to explain that very well, other than to give a yet another example. But when I was doing research for my, my master's thesis, I ran into the problem of how do you get people to, to abandon long-held traditional ideas and replace them with new ones? And I was looking specifically at like how the church like passed information down and replaced like folk wisdom with like the Bible wisdom. And then how that sort of like eventually manifested in like the witchcraft trials. I did not find one single paper that addressed the topic in such a way. Right. But I did find one that was like, um, that looked at like West Texas, Mexican Americans and how communities balanced like folk medicine against western medicine and how those ideas competed and how certain ideas like folk wisdom was neglected and, and and like western traditional medicine was adopted and i'm like oh this shows how the thought process works so even though it's about a completely different topic it demonstrates what i was trying to discuss which is how does the thought process work when you have two competing ideas and so ultimately that's that's what I'm trying to explain to students is when you're doing research, use keywords and phrases, but, but open yourself up to find papers that, that talk about the sub that talk about the topic, but not necessarily the subject, I guess is one way to put it. Um, in other words, if you're trying to deal with like, how do people make decisions? You, you may just have to sort of look at it at that level, even though you won't be able to find one that's like, how do people make decisions about, traditional medicine versus Western medicine, like, or, or what have you. Um, but how do we explain that to like a first year college writer is like, I, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't figured out the, the magic formula or the catchphrase or the aphorism or whatever that inspires them to that. Other than to sort of sit down and explain to them, you might have to sort of widen your search a little bit. And here's some things that you might be able to look for. That's so true, because I remember um, this was years ago, I had the theme of outlaws um, for my class, and I had so many students who would choose subjects that they would trying to argue that, you know, this person's significance as an outlaw, you know, here's kind of the impact of it, whether it was fictional or, or non-fictional. And what was funny was that so many of them would come to me and they would go, I can't find sources. And I would say, okay, well, what are you looking for? And so, you know, I had some students who for an example, some of them would choose Katniss from Hunger Games, right? And talking about her significance and her story. Um, and they were like, well, nothing really talks about her being an outlaw. And I'm like, that's good though. Like you're, you're connecting dots that haven't been connected yet. And that's the point is that, and I think kind of on your, your point about how do we explain that breakdown? I think it's like, 
you know, your thesis is this umbrella. And so you want to find sources that fall under the umbrella. They not, they're not going to be the umbrella itself. They're going to fall underneath it and kind of touch on certain things, but you're kind of, you're, you're the one synthesizing them together. You're saying, here's how the dots connect here. And that's what kind of creates that, that creative argument essentially, because you're putting the dots together in a different way, I guess. Um, but it's funny because I remember that struggle where they would, oh, I can't find sources that are saying this. And I was like, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, the, the struggle is if they've already said what you're trying to say. <laughs> and I imagine the conversation went something like, okay, well, you've read about outlaws, right? Like we've talked about it in the class. What quality are you connecting with? You know what I mean? Like, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, it's almost like understand the research is like this concept that you're then connecting with mm -hmm. you know Katniss right like or whatever Katniss is standing yeah. for you know and so it's like well you know she um <laughs> she consciously rebels against the institution which is like this central point you know what I mean like yeah, so yeah. like this, um it's almost like I'm going to understand this thing and I'm going to research this concept and then apply it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. almost like applying it, to, it's combining things that maybe you didn't think could be combined. Right. Like, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like so that's something that we all have done in grad school or, or even in undergrad as we got into like sort of the upper divisional stuff in undergrad, though, we all got used to that idea of a critical lens, right? Like, Hey, here's a paper on Marxism and I'm going to apply it to Jane Austen. <laughs> People are like, well, that's an economic theory and that's a pastoral novel. I'm like, yeah, it can be done. Watch. Mm -hmm. Hold my beer, right? Exactly. Um, Nietzsche and moral moral relativism in the world of the Hobbit. Like, I wrote that paper. Like, it can be done, <laughs> right? By the way, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbits are evil from Sauron's perspective. Nice. that for a while. Nice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that was a fun paper to write. Um, that sounds fun. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the thing is, these things need to be related conceptually um, in, mm -hmm. in some way, right? And it's connecting those dots. And But it kind of goes back to the whole, the, students are afraid to, to get the wrong answer, and they're not ready, I guess, to make that intellectual leap of, here's a critical lens that is about an entirely different topic and subject, but I think it can be applied here because I see where these things sort of connect in certain ways. Um, so we only have a couple minutes left. We've actually a couple minutes over, but I, I was really enjoying the conversation. So, uh, do we have, uh, any other like go backs or, or like last minute hints, tips or tricks? I think part of it is cause my, my final thought was more just, you know, what, what do we, what do we want when we ask for those intellectual risks? You know, we're not, we're not asking you to explain failure you know like to, <laughs> it's not like we're asking you to jump off a bridge and see if you can fly you know it's it's more in the sense that what what we don't want is kind of what what I'm I guess need to convey better to my students is that I'm not looking for you to regurgitate information that I've said in class or that someone else has said in class. We don't want you to just take your paper and say, okay, here's where I'm identifying all the concepts that were talked about. Here it is and here it is and you know I know what this word means. We want you to add to it. And we want you to add thoughtfully, you know, making connections that are kind of unique to you because of your experiences and, and kind of putting them together. Sorry, the cat's meowing as I'm talking, <laughs> but, but kind of, I guess, adding, adding your, your 
you know, kind of thinking about why is this significant to me or to the class or to the bigger picture, I guess is kind of what I try to, or what I need to um, reinforce more. Connections, right? Like those things, and that's really what you're saying. And I think what your cat was trying to say to you, Carrie. She's, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, good point. I, I feel like one of the things on the rubric is something that like um, offers the obvious response to the prompt. And I feel like the intellectual risk um, in creative thinking is really about not giving the obvious response to the prompt. And that's the making connections to to subjects that are maybe outside of what we actually discussed in class, right? Um, bringing in those unique perspectives, adding to them, um, and then articulating in a way that's that's authentic in the author's own voice. Okay, I think that's a great place to to end this week's discussion. I want to thank uh, Carrie for suggesting this topic because it sort of has highlighted deficiencies in my own <laughs> classroom and syllabus that I need to like patch those uh, pedagogical holes a little bit. Um, so yeah, this was a great conversation. There, thank you very much. <clears throat> and I guess for a sign up this week, we'll just say, uh, get out there and write something.